Amnanda van Tilburg for BizNews. A legal challenge is looming between the DA and the IEC and Durko over the challenges South Africans abroad are facing to vote at embassies, high commissions and consulates. It follows after voters in Perth discovered that they can only vote at the South African High Commission in Canberra. And to tell us more about that, we have MP Adrian Ries from the DA with us. Hi, Adrian. Welcome to Biz News. Hi, Linda. Well, can you just give us a bit of background um, about voting abroad and the problems? Yeah, look, so, so I'm the Deputy Shadow Minister of Home Affairs. So my mailbox is filled every day with... Uh, with persons reaching out, um, mainly from overseas, um, to try and get services from home affairs, etc., and it's no different with uh, with voters now overseas uh, trying to access the the online system, trying to get it to work, um, trying to see how that they how they can just exercise their constitutional uh, right. Um, and I think you know the there's a big challenge we have, and the the situation that that I always talk about is that uh, as a South African citizenship, you've got more of a chance of voting if you're a prisoner than you do if you live overseas. Um, and really, you know, Australia is the case in point. You have over 200,000 South African residents there and only 500 of them voted, just around 500 voted in the 2019 elections. Um, so clearly something is wrong. Um, we, had a, we had a situation at the beginning with this online registration process where South Africans could enter their address and suddenly that was taken away for, for some reason or another. Um, and so what the Democratic Alliance is looking at is saying, listen, we need to um, allow South Africans overseas their constitutional right to be able to vote as much as is reasonably possible. Yeah, but um, well, they made it a little bit easy, the fact that we can register online. But, um, you know, if you talk about Australia specifically, Canberra is very far from Sydney and from from uh, Perth, the, the case in point here. Um, and you've asked for changes to the Electoral Act. But it seems that this has not been granted. Well, look, I think the starting point and then what the Democratic Alliance is looking at now is just to utilize is, is that the existing legislation is, is carried out. So the persons are allowed to vote at a consulate. It, it is allowed in the legislation. Um, but we have many, many honorary consuls around the world uh, where South Africans are not allowed to vote. And, and so we need to understand why that is. Now, we, we ask the IEC and they say, no, it's, it's a Durko issue. We asked Durko that mm. said IEC issue. And this is the challenge at the moment because you have what's called honorary consuls, but it, it's a consulate. And, and in the law, you're supposed to be able to go and be able to vote at a consulate. So, for example, if, you know, we were speaking about Australia. There's um, mm -hmm. honorary consuls in Melbourne, in Brisbane, and Adelaide, for example. So, there's no reason why South Africans shouldn't be able to register and vote there. But there was this excuse of these staff at these consuls that they not they don't come from South Africa or something like that. Well, I think you know it's, sometimes when these things are brought up, but you know the issue of cost becomes a thing to say you know it's impractical and, and costs etc cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, a few years ago, the the tax laws changed that South Africans overseas now um, get taxed over a certain amount. Uh, and the question is, well, if you you know you can't say there's no money to do these things, you can't say there's not enough staff. At the uh, the consulate, for example, to second them, um, you you are now asking essentially um, 195,500 South Africans to fly to Canberra to vote, instead of asking a few people to go to these uh, honorary consulates and, and staff them. 
Is this the problem only in Australia or elsewhere, like America? Well, it's actually worsened. I mean, I, I think if you look at really where South Africans are, um, New Zealand is another good case um, because uh, you know, you if you're in Auckland, for example, it's a very very long trip from Wellington uh, where you currently can vote. I think it's over 500 miles or 500 kilometres, and, and so it's not so easy to take a thousand kilometre round trip if it is kilometres to to go and vote. And it's a similar scenario there. So not, um, my understanding is there's an honorary consulate in in Auckland, for example. So uh, you know you you really should be able to vote there. Um, you know, you look at persons in Malta, for example, where there's an honorary consulate, they have to go and vote in Rome. Um, it's, 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 it's really unreasonable. There's a number of, of areas where you have these honorary consuls and it's in the legislation, so they must just do it. Well, it's quite close to the election. Some people are expecting 22nd of May and Mr. Ramaphosa expected to announce it within the next two weeks. Um, is there time to actually fix this? Well, I think at the moment, uh, even as you look at the local um, uh, registration scenarios, there, there are cases where literally on a weekend, there might be some issues around a voting station um, and, and then it gets moved. You know, so we're not talking about big numbers. And even early on, when we the Democratic Alliance looked at the numbers of persons that are being disenfranchised, there was a recommendation of literally six to 10 additional voting stations around the world, which would capture a significant number of the, uh, the the unserved population. So even if you, you know, obviously you need to look at honorary consuls and say within the law, um, this is a requirement. Um, but but even if you just take the six to 10, it, it's not asking a lot to be able to staff those. So um, you've given the government and of Durko and the IEC a couple of deadlines, but they have now passed. So what next? Yeah, look, so, so from our understanding, it, it's a similar blame shifting game. Um, I say we're really just uh, you know looking at the office now to to assess the next steps. Unfortunately, I don't have a, a, a an exact answer for you on on when and what, um, but it will be communicated in in due course. Would because you are, consider uh, going? Sorry, would you consider going to the electoral court? Well, th- that is the ultimatum that we put um, that the the law be implemented. It, it, it's all that we're asking. That uh, these cons- consuls, these honorary consuls, they consuls, they should uh, be opened up. So, um, you know, even if you look at the prisoner scenario that I gave in the beginning, uh, that came to pass because of uh, a court approach in the August matter in, in 1999. Um, and so, you know, I think it's something where we where we would like to believe uh, that the, the IEC as a Chapter Nine institution. Um, I mean, we hear about the prisoners; they have a target of a hundred thousand. Uh, to vote um, out of a prison population of about 127,000. Uh, you don't hear similar targets for voters overseas, which is uh, e- extremely unfortunate. Um, I think, again, you know, it's we hear about human rights, and, and, and this right to vote, is it's a human right, and it's one of our most precious rights that we have as South Africans. And so you expect to hear a, a similar level of, of determination about voters overseas and and we accept the online registration is a big step forward in that regard. Um, but I think if you're serious about enfranchising voters overseas, when they register, you need to capture their physical address to understand where your voters are and, and the extent of the problem so that you can resolve that. Because at the end of the day, you might find that with only six to 10 honorary consuls that you then make available, you turn around and say, we've made a reasonable 
attempt to cover the, the vast majority. I mean, we, we, you know, persons don't want to be silly about the whole thing, um, but we want to make sure that you have as reasonable a chance as possible and, and, and as practical uh, to vote. So, um, as I said, it's not a lot, lot of time left. If you take it to the Electoral Court, how quickly could a decision be made? Um, I'm not really sure about that, um, how, how long it might take, uh, but it, it might be considered to be an urgent matter. Um, because indeed it is. Uh, once the Cyril Ramaphosa announces a date, and you've literally got uh, days left for that, uh, then uh, once it's promulgated, the, the voting registration closes. And so it would surely be considered a, an urgent matter and dealt with speedily. You, you've mentioned some of the figures of how many voters you think there are in Australia. What are we looking at the total, total figure of expats or South Africans abroad? What, what, are you, what are the total figure? What is the DA hoping to get? To get from that, how many um, votes and how many seats could you potentially get? Well, I, got the, I think the, the DA has obviously done a lot of research in this regard. Um, looking at the population overseas, absolutely verified, probably as little as 900,000, um, but the generally accepted figure is around 2 million South Africans um, abroad. Um, and then certainly you're looking at in the range of 200 to 300,000 um, out of that lot. Um, to to be able to register and uh, and vote and uh, you know even if you just take a very round figure of of, of fifty thousand um, then you would have what six potentially six four to six seats in parliament and and I must okay. say you know um, if if you look at the last few years and especially what the the Democratic Alliance has been fighting for persons overseas in terms of consular services. Uh, taking the petition to Parliament, uh, that was a petition with over 10,000 signatures of affected South Africans overseas. There was the loss of citizenship case, also affecting uh, many thousands of, of South Africans. Um, and so we've, we've definitely been driving issues uh, affecting South Africans abroad through Parliament. Do you have any, do you have any figures of how many South Africans have, um, abroad have registered so far for the election? Um, my understanding is that it's around uh, 30,000 at this point. Um, but again, we, we have a lot of issues, and, and one of the, the stumbling blocks is that somebody would go on and see that um, there, there's nothing nearby where they stay and then be discouraged and then not complete the registration, let's say, for Canberra if they live um, in Perth and they realize they're not going to be able to vote, then, then they abort that. Um, so that is anecdotally um, the... the the stories that we're getting and the, and, the, and the complaints to say this is too far away. How, how do we do this? Um, you've also spoken before about the problem with getting passports and um, you know uh, renewed in, in in overseas at overseas mission. I mean, it took me, despite a fast track process in London, it took me almost a year to get my passport back because I don't know what the delays were. They were all, they both both blaming each other, but I you know I can finally now fetch it. Um, th is that also a problem for other South Africans abroad? Yeah, like I say, I mean the the petition that. Uh, I took to Parliament. Uh, there were well over ten thousand signatures, which is which is quite high for a petition to Parliament. Um, and you know, it, it's something that I get I, I get daily uh, questions on. Specifically, you know, let's say persons have children and then they want to travel with the children. At this point in time, we managed to to get a concession from the Department of Home Affairs to allow persons to apply through visa facilitation services in the UK. And trial that out to see if it was 
easier to apply apply through that. Um, but but even there, there, there are there are certainly some problems. Um, but the promise was to roll that out across other countries with uh, with large South African populations. Um, so that is the commitment to the minister on that. One of the other big issue was the diplomatic bag. Um, so the DA is saying in South Africa, you go online, you take your photo, you fill in your application online uh, for your passport or ID renewal, and then you submit it with the payment, and then you merely go and do your biometrics somewhere. Um, and the the Department of Home Affairs couldn't give me a, a, a sound reason why you couldn't do that same process from overseas, from, from the comfort mm. of your home, do that. Um, for example, when uh, um, I think it was my brother that wanted to go to Australia, and he, he did that, filled in everything online, and went to TCS and, and gave his biometrics, and that was it. Um, so there's no real reason, um, because there, there isn't a valid reason. Well, especially if they're using an, another company to do it. That should be even faster. You know, it's not the embassies are actually doing it. Sure. So now at the moment, uh, uh, trying even trying to get an appointment in an embassy at, at Wellington, it's months. You literally wait five to eight months just to get there and start your application. So you have a scenario where you're supposed to apply for your, your, your passport renewal. You're supposed to give it just over a year. Um, but if it takes you eight months to apply, there's no way you're going to get it. Um, because the, the turnaround time period is, is eight to 24 months as it is. Um, if you're an Indian citizen, for example, uh, in the UAE, you'd be able to get your passport done within a week. So how can South Africans abroad um, stay informed about changes? Because, you know, if, if changes do, do come. Yeah, so, so obviously, the, you know, the, the Democratic Alliance has the DA abroad, uh, which is really fighting for South Africans. We have chapters in different parts of the world, but... Um, at, at the on the DA Broad website is a lot of information about all the um, the matters that we're taking up in Parliament on behalf of South Africans abroad, as well as extensive information about the uh, the registration process and what is happening and what is happening with the court case. So obviously, as soon as we uh, take the next step, then we we communicate that through through that channel. So so keep an eye on that channel. Could you elaborate on your point about how South Africans abroad pay tax over a certain income and how that places a responsibility on the government to provide services for them, like voting stations? Yeah, look, I, I think you know, one has to be careful to say that, uh, that someone that, that doesn't have money then shouldn't get a service, etc. Um, but if, yeah, of course. if there is tax uh, payable over, over a certain income overseas, there's a reason to start that. Um, you know, one could also argue that if, if you give none of that back, uh, you know, you could consider that to be some form of in, embezzlement. I mean, if, if, you, if you're not collecting money, because at the end of the day, it's, it's the whole idea of tax is a social compact where persons give you tax money in order to provide um, broader services that, that protects everybody. So, so tax is not money that gets taken to give to your, your friends and family. Um, and it is supposed to do that. And if South Africans are being expected to pay tax overseas, and then when they apply for passports, etc., they pay a fee, then, then what is the purpose of that tax? Um, a lot of that tax money, you could argue that it goes to the honorary consul, for example, um, that uh, you, sh you should really expect that, that every um, two to three years when there's an election, that when let's say it's a national election every five years, that that honorary consul can arrange a voting station for people to come and vote. Otherwise, what is the purpose of taxing persons that are living overseas that are not using South African 
uh, infrastructure of a general nature um, and that are merely and that are then paying for everything that they are using. Can we just quickly, as a last question, get to some of the polls recently out? Um, um, well, a lot of them are now saying the ANC would drop below 50%. The other interesting, I think it was Ipsos poll that said that they, the DA they saw as static on the same, I think it was 22%. What is your comment on that? Yeah, look, unfortunately, the, the Ipsos polls are, are not the most reliable polls. Um, there, there, is a, there are a lot of cases of that. Um, and so it's, you know, it, it's not the most reliable polling data, unfortunately. Um, so, you know, the Democratic Alliance, I think the important thing is, is with the multi-party charter and the, uh, and the parties that are getting together, um, we are closer than, than ever before now to the ANC to bring in them below 50%. Um, and it's absolutely critical uh, for every South African that cares about rescuing South Africa uh, we, we cannot have another five years of this that has been going on. Uh, the country is literally running out of money now, running out of money to pay grants. For example, the, the grant increases have been way below inflation for the last five years. So they will say we've given a 2% increase in some categories. Other categories are, are, are reduced or there's no increase. And therefore, they, they are actually going down all the time because there's, uh, there's no money left. Um, so the the critical it's critical that every South African that cares about rescuing South Africa can register to vote and and make that vote. Uh, we're closer to than ever it is possible, um, and the every credible poll is saying that the the ANC will go well below fifty uh, percent, and we will have the opportunity to have that uh, change. Um, Adrian Rose, member of Parliament for the DA, thanks so much. Great, thank you.